वनचारी जय कुंज ग्रंथराज श्रीमद्भागवतम की शीला प्रभुपाद की जय निताय गोर प्रेमानंदे ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय हरे कृष्णा टुडे वी आर रीडिंग फ्रॉम कैंटो सेवन चैप्टर नाइन कैंटो चैप्टर नाइन इज एंटाइटल प्रहलाद पैसिफाइज द लॉर्ड विथ प्रेयर्स टुडे वी आर ऑन टेक्स्ट फिफ्टीन नायम बिभेम्य जिताति भयानकाश्य नाहम बिभेम्य जिताति भयानकाश्य जीवहार कनेत भ्रुकतीर सभर गोदमस्त्राद जीवार कनेत्र भ्रुकुतीर भसोर्ग दमस्त्राद आंत्र स्रजक्षत जक्षे केशर शंखु करनान आंत्र स्रजक्षत जकेशर शंखु करनान नीरद भीत दिगी भादारी भिन्न खाग्रात नीरद भीत दिगी भाद अरी भिन्न खाग्रात नाहम विभम यजितते ती भयान कास्य जीवहार कनेत्र भ्रुकुतीर रभसोग्र दमस्त्रात आंत्र स्रजक्षत जकेशर शंखु करनान नीराद भीत दिगी भादरी भिन्न खाग्राद 
नाहम विभम यजितेति भयानकास्य जीवहारकनेत्रभ्रुकुतीरभसोग्रदमस्त्राद आंत्रस्रजक्षतजकेशरशंखुकर्नान नीराद भीतदिगीभाद अरिबिन्नखाग्रत नाहम बिभ्याम यजिता तेति भायन कास्य जीवहार कनेत्र भ्रुकुतीर भसोग्र दम्स्त्रात आंत्र स्रजक्षत जकेशर शंखु करनान नीराद भीत दिगीभादरी भिन्न खाग्रत नाहम विभम यजिततेति भयान कास्य जीवहार कनेत्र भ्रुकुतीर भसोग्र दम्स्त्रात आंत्रस रजक्षतजकेशर शंखु करनान नीराद भीत दिगी भादरी बिन्न खाग्रात वैश्नवीस नाहम विभम्य जिततेति भयान कास्य जीवहार कनेत्र भ्रुकुतीर भसोग्र दम्स्त्रात आंत्रस रजक्षत जकेशर शंखु करनान नीराद भीत दिगी भादरी बिन्न खाग्रात Word to word translation, na, not, aham, I, bibhemi, I'm, af I'm afraid, ajita, O supreme victorious person, who are never conquered by anyone, te, your, ati, very much, bhayanak, fearful, 
आस्या माउथ जीवा टंग अर्कनेत्र आईज शाइनिंग लाइक द सन भ्रुकुति फ्राउनिंग ब्रोज रभसा स्ट्रॉंग उग्र दमस्त्रात फेरोशियस टीथ आंत्रस रज गालेंडेड बाय इंटेस्टाइन्स शतज ब्लडी केशर मेन्स शंखुकर्णात वेज लाइक यर्स निराद बाय रोरिंग साउंड कॉज्ड बाय यू भीत फ्राइटेंड दिगी भात फ्रॉम वेच इवन द ग्रेट एलिफेंट्स अरिभीत पियर्सिंग द एनिमी नख अग्रात द टिप्स ऑफ हूज नेल्स ट्रांसलेशन एंड पर्पोर्ट बाय हिज डिवाइन ग्रेस ए सी भक्तिवेदांत स्वामी श्रीला प्रभुपाद ट्रांसलेशन माय लॉर्ड यू आर नेवर कॉन्कर्ड बाय एनी वन आई एम सर्टनली नॉट अफ्रेड ऑफ योर फेरोशियस माउथ एंड टंग your eyes bright like the sun or your ferocious eyebrows i do not fear your sharp pinching teeth your garland of intestines your mane soaked with blood or your high wedge like ears nor do i fear your tumultuous roaring which makes elephants flee to distant places or your nails which are meant to kill your enemies purport lord narsimha dev's fierce appearance was certainly most dangerous for the non devotees but for prahlad maharaj such a fearful appearance was not at all disturbing the lion is very fearsome for other animals but its cubs are not at all afraid of the lion the water of the sea is certainly dreadful for all living entities on the land but within the sea even the small fish is unafraid why because the small fish has taken shelter of the big ocean it is said that although great elephants are taken away by the flooding waters of the river the small fish swim opposite the current therefore although the lord sometimes assumes a fierce appearance to kill the dushkritas the devotees worship him keshava drita narhari rupa jaya jagadish hare the devotee always takes pleasure in worshiping the lord and glorifying the lord in any form either pleasing or fierce ओम ज्ञानतिरांधस्ञानंजनाशलाकय चक्षुन्मीतुरव नम श्रीचैतन्यमनोभीष्ट स्थात यूतले स्वयं कदाती मुखम कौति वाचालम पंगुम लंगयते गिरी यमंदे श्रीगुरूदीनताम वाछाकलतरूभ्य कृपा सिंधुभ्य पतिता पावनेभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नमः जय श्री कृष्ण चैतन्य प्रभु नंद श्रीअद्वैत गदाधर श्रीवासादी गौरभक्तवृंद हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा कृष्ण कृष्णा हरे 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 राम हरे राम 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 हरे 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 कृष्णा so we are seeing in this particular verse um, the fear aspect of the lord has been elaborated upon uh, by shrila prabhupada in the purport 
So Prahlad Maharaj's prayers have started since the last few verses and you know they will continue for many many more verses. For us it was even difficult to recite the vocative of this verse. It was a little, the meter was a little different than normal verses. But imagine on the spot a five-year-old child is composing these beautiful verses in glorification of um, Narsimadev. So Prahlad Maharaj over here as we can see he's claiming that my Lord, I am not afraid at all. Like, and why this, you know, fear aspect and why the claim of Prahlad Maharaj in this particular verse that he has no fear of the Lord's fearsome teeth, fearsome nails, fearsome ears, fearsome eyes. He doesn't have fear because just in the uh, previous few verses we saw that none of the exalted demigods who were present over there were ready to approach the Lord, to pacify his anger. Neither Lord Brahma, who is the secondary creator of this whole uh, universe, neither even Lakshmi Devi, even she declared that, you know, although I reside all the time on the Lord's chest, this is a form of the Lord which I'm not used to at all. So I, I also, I'm not, you know, I'm feeling scared to go to the Lord. So everybody refused and then they sent Prahlad Maharaj because he was the reason why the Lord had appeared in the first place in that particular form. So they sent Prahlad Maharaj and in this verse we can see that Prahlad Maharaj is saying that my Lord I am not afraid at all because beyond this fierce appearance I can see the kind father. I can see why you appeared in this particular form just to protect me and to annihilate Hiranyakashipu whose you know uh, atrocities had gone to highly completely another level when he was ready to kill his own son. So Prahlad Maharaj is expressing his fearlessness that he is absolutely not afraid of the Lord. And we see in this world, generally the Lord is approached by devotees, pious people, obviously non-devotees non, non or uh, people who are non-pious don't approach the Lord for anything. They don't even recognize that there is an authority, supreme authority above who's directing and you know doing everything in this uh, world. But we see generally pious people also have four uh, reasons to approach the Lord. And these four reasons are bhaya, which is fear. The first reason is fear. The second reason is asha, which is hope. The third reason is kartavya buddhi, which is out of duty. People approach the Lord. And then the last one is prema. Prema means they are approaching the Lord just out of love. And I had quoted this earlier also in one of the classes that, you know, generally people are approaching the Lord either to mitigate some problem which is there in their life. That means they are full of asha that, yo Lord, please fulfill this desire of mine. Or they are afraid that, you know, something should not happen and therefore they are approaching the Lord. And, you know, there was a survey which was done outside a famous temple um, in India. It was a Lord Ganesh temple. And there was a big queue. On Tuesdays, people go to worship Lord Ganesh usually. So there was a big queue outside the temple and there was a survey which was done. And people who were in the queue were questioned that, why are you standing here in the queue? What do you want to achieve? today by standing because for hours and hours people stand in that queue to um, have darshan of Lord Ganesh. And most of the people mentioned, in fact 99% of the people mentioned that they are either there because they need some wealth or they are there because somebody in the family is sick and they want um, the sickness to go away or they are there because um, they are afraid somebody will get sick or something like that. So everybody had come over there with some motive to get something out of Lord Ganesh. Nobody had come there to say that, oh, I have just come here out of pure love to worship Lord Ganesh. And this is the approach of most of the pious people in this world. So it's good at least they are approaching us, you know, superior authority. But the, these are mostly, the first three are the main motives why people approach. Either bhai, 
आशा और कर्तव्य बुद्धि दैट नो द लॉर्ड समटाइम्स पीपल अप्रोच आउट ऑफ ग्रेटिट्यूड विच इज गुड दैट द लॉर्ड हैज गिवन सो मच आई हैव कम यर टू रीपे द लॉर्ड आई हैव कम यर टू रेसी प्रोकेट एंड गिव अ स्मॉल ऑफरिंग टू द लॉर्ड सो यू नो एक्चुअली वी सी दैट इन मैनी मोस्ट रिलीजन्स और इन मोस्ट पायस पेरेंट्स स्पेशली कमिंग फ्रॉम भारत वर्ष दे ऑलवेज टेल दे आर चिल्ड्रेन दैट ओ बी यू नो स्के बी अफ्रेड ऑफ द लॉर्ड अदरवाइज यू विल गेट दिस पर्टिकुलर पनिशमेंट और यू विल गेट दैट पर्टिकुलर पनिशमेंट इवन इन यू नो डिफरेंट रिलीजन्स एंड ट्रेडिशंस वी सी इन क्रिश्चियनिटी ऑल्सो पीपल गो टू द कन्फेशन बॉक्स टू कन्फेस दे आर सिंस बिकॉज दे आर अफ्रेड दैट दे माइट गेट सम रिएक्शन सो दे फील दैट बाई कन्फेसिंग दे आर वॉशिंग अवे ऑल दोज सिंस दैट दे माइट हैव कमिटेड ड्यूरिंग द वीक even in islamic tradition we see like you know when we were in toronto in 2003 and 4 we used to live in a community where there were a lot of islamic people around us and there most of the times like when children used to play on the play playground or the uh, mothers are talking to the children i used to hear them saying that allah ka khauf rakho allah ka khauf rakho that means be scared of allah be fearful of allah otherwise you will get some punishment so we see that the lord has created actually this beautiful system of karma where people are afraid that you know people who believe in karma in the law of reincarnation they are afraid that if i do something wrong or if i sin right now i will get reaction for my uh, sin and i will have to suffer in some way or the other so people are generally afraid of that and why why it is uh, you know at this you know people are afraid or why a perennial sinner is usually having this aspect of bhai when he approaches the lord because for asuras the lord has designed the system even for devotees obviously karma karma acts on everybody but the lord actually says that ye yathamam prapadyante as we surrender to the lord more and more the lord starts interfering with her karma but more for non devotees this whole karmic system has been created like an autopilot system has been created by the lord of karma and reaction and you know when people narrate the reaction to a sin then it becomes a deterrent to you know sin further you know the mother selling children that oh allah ka khauf rakho that will actually then deter the child from doing any wrong activity or you know a pious mother telling uh, their child that do not do this activity otherwise this particular thing will happen in your life that actually creates a fear and it is good it actually deters people from doing any wrong activities and sometimes we see there are some puranas also which feed in this fear of people you know the garuda purana is there which tells if you do this 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 activity in this lifetime in next lifetime you might go to kumbhi kapaka hell or you might be boiled in oil or you might be you know sent down to this lower species of life and you might have to suffer the poking of all the um, yamadutas and also these puranas are also there just to instill that particular respect for the karmic system of the lord but for a devotee for a devotee he is not so much you know for for a devotee also obviously karma is there and a devotee recognizes that if there are any reversals in a devotee's life they are because of you know some karma or the lord interfering with his life to design like to make the devotee come closer to him so the devotee is able to understand this particular aspect because the devotee has heard about the lord he has knowledge about this particular aspect of the lord whereas non devotees do not have this knowledge and therefore they get scared of this whole particular aspect and their approach to the lord then gets limited to this bhai aspect so we see that non devotees see the you know karma which the lord you know gives them or the lord you know meets out some karma to them or some punishment to them they see it as a policeman's slap usually 
that oh i got a punishment from the policeman but whereas a devotee in his life when some karmic reaction comes he sees it as a father's chastisement so even though sometimes a father loving father because he wants the best out of his child might sometimes even slap the child or chastise the child severely it is ultimately for the child's good long term good right now the child will suffer mm, he will cry, sit and cry why my father or mother is doing like this but ultimately it is for their long term good and that is how the devotee understands when there is some reversal in his particular or her particular life that they are facing that this has been given to me only by the lord for my own good for my own well being for my own long term improvement in the path of bhakti so devotees are you know because they have that knowledge through you know oral reception they have gained this particular um, knowledge about the lord they are uh, they can have a proper understanding of this bhai aspect of the lord and the karmic aspect of the lord in fact um, you know when we are seeing over here narsimha dev's external ferociousness and prahlad maharaj is saying that i am not afraid of this uh, intestines which are because we know after hidanya kashipu was killed by narsimha dev there was nobody nobody was even ready with a garland and the lord likes to decorate himself it is said that specially lord krishna is very fond of decorating himself so obviously the lord likes to decorate himself and no everybody was even scared to go and offer a garland to him so the lord only thought okay i'll have to self garland myself and therefore he takes the intestines out of uh, hiranya kashipu and he garlands himself with the intestines and his hands nails his mouth everything is quite bloody at the moment so you know there was a very um, like nice thing i was hearing in a lecture um there was once a devotee he was a buddhist actually and we know like yesterday keshav prabhu was also saying that if we want peace we should go to buddhism but in bhakti you know generally there is no peace devotees are quite busy either serving the lord and they are in quite a lot of anxiety going through their services or we get you know some reversals or karmic reaction in our life where the lord wants us to learn a lesson so in bhakti there is not much peace but he was saying that in uh, buddhism you know it's a very peaceful religion so there was a buddhist who was visiting a temple and he was sort of like getting inclined to even krishna consciousness he was becoming a little favorable and he sees a picture of lord narsimha dev there was a big picture of lord narsimha dev in that temple and he sees that lord narsimha dev had this hiranyakashipu on the lap who was like lying open with his stomach open and narsimha dev was wearing these intestines and then there was a little child who was standing next to him prahlad maharaj so he calls one devotee and asks them he said who is this and that the devotee tells him this is our supreme lord our worshipable lord you know one form of the lord whom we worship he said really because obviously he sees that violent form of the lord and he becomes very um, surprised and shocked and then uh, he asks okay what is he wearing around his neck because it's it looks like something different it's not a flower garland and it has blood on it so this devotee explains that oh that is those are the intestines of the man he just killed and then he says further shock to this buddhist uh, devotee and then he says and then who is this little child standing with a garland and he says oh that is the son of that man he killed he is waiting to garland the lord so after that day that buddhist devotee was never seen in that temple he never went to the iskon temple again because obviously it was a big shock for him to see that the lord has such a form as well but over here we see that a devotee especially a devotee like prahlad maharaj is able to see beyond the lord's ferociousness because the lord has this external appearance which everybody was scared of but prahlad maharaj being a pure devotee was able to see beyond that 
He was able to see behind this tattva, this philosophy, like the, you know, the truth which the Lord came to establish. He was able to see the sweetness of the Lord and the sweetness of the Leela that just happened. Even, you know, generations later, we are still worshipping that particular Leela and that particular form of the Lord. And we pray to that form of the Lord for protection. There are beautiful players in the Narsimakavas Sutra where we are saying that, you know, with your nails, you please uproot all the anarthas from my heart. And with your uh, fearsome uh, roar, you protect me from all sides, from any um, attacks of Maya. So that is what we pray to Lord Narsimha Devar, to remove Ignas on the path of our bhakti. So the Lord, the devotees are actually able to see the Lord as the Akhila Rasamrita Murti. They are able to see that the Lord is actually enacting these pastimes only for the pleasure of his devotees. He comes in these different, different, different forms so that the devotees feel an attraction for him. If we go to Mayapur and we take darshan of Ugra Narsimha Dev over there, actually we all feel so attracted to that particular form. It's such a beautiful form of the Lord. So as devotees, we don't, even practicing devotees, we don't get scared of that form. We are actually very attracted for, uh, to that form and we pray to the Lord that, please give me also protection from Maya. Let me not go away from my, uh, the path of bhakti or from Krishna consciousness. So the, the devotee knows that the Lord is enacting these pastimes with a purpose only to bring the devotee closer to his lotus feet. And the devotee also knows, he sees that the Lord actually can bend any cosmic rules and he can come in any form that he desires just to deliver his devotees. As we see Narsimha Dev came in this particular form. It was neither, it was half man, half lion form. So he came in that form, he bent all the cosmic rules of neither day nor night, don't kill me with weapons, I should not be killed with weapons, I should not be killed um, in the sky or on the land. So all those rules he was able to bend just for killing uh, the miscreant and also for saving his devotee Prahlad Maharaj. So uh, we have, you know, today is the appearance day of, there are two important um, uh, events today. It is the appearance day of Lord Vamandev and it is also the appearance day of Jiva Goswami. So in the next few minutes we will spend uh, discussing the glories of Vamandev and the glories of Jiva Goswami. But just we see that even Lord Vamandev, we are talking about how the Lord is ready to bend any rules to actually come and protect his devotees and that is what we see in Lord's aspect or in Lord's incarnation of Vamandev. He came as a little dwarf Brahmin. Now you know when you see short, you know these stunted growth people, we see some, some people have that stunted growth and we see them around us. And we, you know that form is not very attractive if we see. But the Lord came in this dwarf Brahmin boy, he did not care. In fact he was looking very beautiful but he came in this dwarf form just to get because he had to look small so that Bali Maharaj gets tricked in giving him the three steps of land and then he took away everything from Bali Maharaj. So the Lord is ready to bend any rules for protecting his devotees, devotees who are surrendered to him or devotees who take his shelter. So Vamandev's pastime actually begins with, um, uh, it begins with Bali Maharaj and it actually starts by the fact that, uh, you know, the demons were de completely annihilated by the demigods. And Bali Maharaj, in fact, it is said in the scriptures that he had died from, uh, in that battle against the demigods. And his guru, Shukracharya, he, he knew that Sanjeevani mantra and he knew how to bring dead people back to life. He had that particular uh, blessing or he had that particular power. And his uh, guru, Shukracharya, actually brought Bali Maharaj back to life. 
Now, obviously, if you had completely died and somebody is bringing you back to life, you'll all, all, all be completely indebted to that person. So out of gratitude, he had surrendered to Shukracharya and he had accepted him as Guru. And um, uh, from his side, Shukracharya wanted Bali Maharaj to actually prosper. He wanted Bali Maharaj to do well so that his position and remuneration are secure. And this is what we see in today's so-called gurus or Brahmins as well, who come and do pujas and all. They want their disciples to do well, therefore they bless them and they show them ways and means, different ways and means on how to increase their wealth and prosperity. And why do they do that? So that in turn the disciples will keep giving them their remuneration and that way that guru can live comfortably. And that is what Shukracharya's um, uh, outlook was when he revived Bali Maharaj and he gave him all that blessings. So in fact, because he wanted so much remuneration, he recommended what is called as the Vishwajita Yajna, by which Bali Maharaj could conquer the entire universe. And from all sides, he got celestial weapons, brilliant chariots, lots of wealth, and all this came out from the Yajna Kund, the Vishwajita Yajna which uh, Bali Maharaj did. And he actually adorns himself with all the weapons and all the opulences which came out of the Vishwajita Yajna. He boards the beautiful chariots which came out of the Yajna. And he, uh, as advised by Shukracharya, he goes and attacks the demigods. And Lord Indra, when he, uh, Bali Maharaj is going along with his retinue on these dazzling chariots with all these weapons which have come out of the Yajnas, he actually becomes very scared. So Indra and the demigods see Bali Maharaj approaching and he becomes very scared. Why does he become scared? Because he has never seen this much um, dazzling form of Bali Maharaj. He defeated him some time ago but now he can see that this is completely another form. Bali Maharaj looked so strong, so dazzling that he actually runs to his Guru Brihaspati. And he asks him, he says that what is the cause for Bali Maharaj's strength, endeavor, influence and victory? How has he become so enthusiastic suddenly? And then Brihaspati explains as um, to him. He says in Srimad Bhagavatam, all this whole pastime about Vamandev has been narrated in Srimad Bhagavatam 8th canto. Um, so he says uh, in 8.15.28, he says, Janami Magavan Chatror Unnater Asya Karanam Shishyaya Upabhritam Tejo Prigubhir Brahma Vadi Bihi. So he says, Brahaspati, he's, uh, the Brahaspati, the spiritual master of the demigod said, O Indra, I know the cause of your enemies becoming so powerful. The Brahmana's descendant of Brigumuni, being pleased by Bali Maharaj's devotion to his guru Shukracharya, have endowed him with such extraordinary power. So Bali Maharaj had pleased Shukracharya with lot of devotion like we said he was very grateful to Shukracharya for bringing him back to life and therefore out of his indebtedness he had worshipped his guru very well he had followed his instructions very well and therefore he had become really powerful so he's saying that um, Srila Prabhupada in fact in that particular purport quotes Yasya Prasadat Bhagavat Prasado he says that the blessings of the spiritual master are more powerful than one's personal endeavor for such advancement. Boys, you'll have to be a bit quiet and listen. Otherwise, you can go and play outside. Okay? But otherwise, you have to listen to the class while you are in here. So he says that, Yasya Prasadat Bhagavat Prasado, that by the blessings of the spiritual master, one becomes so much more powerful that it is more, there is more empowerment than one's personal endeavor for advancement. That is what happens when you 
वर्शिप योर स्पिरिचुअल मास्टर रियली वेल उन्नति कारणम शिष्याय उपभृतम तेजो द तेजस कम्स बिकॉज ऑफ वर्शिपिंग द स्पिरिचुअल मास्टर वेरी वेल now we see in you know shrila prabhupad's lifetime also when shrila prabhupad was present in this planet his disciples did wonderful activities they were able to achieve so much to please shrila prabhupad in they went you know to so many places like in london three couples went they had no place to stay they used to stay in boxes it, it is said initially when when they went there in fact once tamal krishna maharaj you know went shrila prabhupad sent him to germany to help the devotees over there in establishing the krishna consciousness movement and before that a handful of devotees had already been sent by shrila prabhupad there so when tamal krishna maharaj came there he saw they were living in very meager like it was a very really small rented house they were living in very meager conditions and tamal krishna maharaj asked them that before you all got this money even to get these meager uh, house and all that how were you all surviving and the disciples of shrila prabhupad they said that we used to live in the underground subways or we used to live under bridges and all that so you see this is what shrila prabhupad's disciples were able to do because they were their their only aim was to please shrila prabhupad they were actually able to go to any length and any austerities to achieve the goals which shrila prabhupad had set for them in fact disciples you quote also now that when shrila prabhupad would send them to any place he would not ask them are there any prashadam or living arrangements for you all over there he would just tell them we know of the story from leelamrita he just told some disciples the train was leaving a particular going to leave a particular station and he told those disciples get down here and go and establish a temple they were on their way to some other you know satsang or some other pandal program that was going to happen but shrila prabhupad made two three devotees disembark and he asked them to go and open a temple over there now those devotees didn't even know which city they were you know disembarking in what to do over there so like that because shrila prabhupad's disciples only goal was to have to see that smile on prabhupad's face and to please shrila prabhupad they were empowered by lord krishna to do great things and once shrila prabhupad was um, actually in um, new vrindavan temple and that time you know yadubar prabhu and vishakha mata ji they had start just started making those videos on the life of shrila prabhupad and it is said that one of the videos they showed shrila prabhupad when he visited that temple and the direction was by kirtananand maharaj who was there at that time in that temple and shrila prabhupad was so pleased when he saw that particular video and he was he, we could see that he was very pleased with the efforts not that he was there on the screen and being glorified but he was very pleased with the effort of his disciples so shrila prabhupad pointed his finger in the direction of kirtananda maharaj and he told that i bless you that in this lifetime you will go back to godhead and then shrila prabhupad continued pointing the finger around the room and he told all the disciples who were present over there i bless all of you to go back to godhead in this particular lifetime so it is said that the you know spiritual master satisfaction is a disciple's blessing and empowerment and it is also said in the scriptures that a spiritual master's desire becomes the headache of krishna so a guru might desire something for his disciple and then it is krishna's headache how to now fulfill that particular desire which the guru has said so now prabhupad blessed all of them to go back to godhead now it is krishna's headache how to make them come back to godhead and krishna will then arrange you know the situations and the uh, you know uh, experiences in the devotees life so they keep progressing towards bhakti and they they can achieve perfection and come back to him in the, at the end of this lifetime so even now like you know some shrila prabhupad's disciples say that what we were able to achieve then and what all we did for shrila prabhupad 
If someone, you know, asks us to do those things now, get off a train uh, and, you know, just go and open a temple or go to a completely unknown country without any money or resources like London and then establish a temple over there. If somebody asks us to do these things now, we will definitely not be able to do these things. But that time we were somehow empowered by Krishna to follow our Guru's order. Our only uh, aim in life was to follow Sri Prabhupada's order and to please him. So we see how much empowerment comes when we actually worship the Guru and that is what had happened with Shukracharya. And that is what Brahaspati is telling. That right now he has um, so much empowerment. So right now you all don't do anything with Bali Maharaj. You will just go into hiding. Disguise yourselves and go into hiding. Leave your uh, palaces. Leave the heavenly planet. That is the instruction um, Brahaspati gives them. In fact, once Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was asked, he was going with, along with a few disciples by boat and one of his disciples was praising Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur. That Maharaj, you have achieved so much. You are, you know, such a powerful preacher. You've written so many books. You have uh, uh, made so many devo people into, dis uh, into devotees of Lord Krishna. You've done so much. You've established Gaudiya Mats all around the country. So you have done so much, Maharaj. And then, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur pointed to the uh, boat and he said that how is this boat running, where is it getting its power from? And the disciple said obviously it's getting its power from the engine. And Bhakti Siddhanta Maharaj said, is the engine visible? He said no, right now it's not visible. And Bhakti Siddhanta Maharaj told the disciple that this is what my life is also. The engine which is empowering me to do all these activities in Krishna consciousness is actually my Guru Maharaj Gaur Kishore Das Baba Biji Maharaj. So he is sitting in one place because Gaur Kishore Das Babaji Maharaj as we all know was a Bhajananandi saint. He was not going out and preaching. But he, Bhakti Siddhanta Saraswati Thakur was giving all credit to his Guru Maharaj that because of his empowerment I am able to do so many things. So this is again another example of how when a Guru empowers a disciple can actually achieve um, so many things. But Brahaspati further tells them, uh, the demigods, that do not worry. Right now they are all very powerful, uh, Bali Maharaj and his uh, um, associates are very powerful, but very soon they will actually commit an offence to a Brahmana and because of this they will be vanquished and they will lose everything. So we see that any offence, like I know in this case it was Shukracharya and obviously Bali Maharaj rejected him because he was not giving him guidance on the proper path of Krishna consciousness. However, it is said the principle, the philosophy behind this is that if you offend a, your guru or if you offend a brahmana, you will definitely get reaction. And we see that in the life of Sobhari Muni. So Sobhari Muni does underwater austerities. In the Yamuna, he does austerities for thousands of years. And then he falls down. He just sees two fish copulating and he falls down. He develops attraction, he comes out of the water, breaks all his tapasya and goes and marries 50 daughters of King Mandata. So gone, all the austerities, all the tapasya that he did for thousands of years was all down the drain. Just seeing the two fish copulating. And it is said that he fell down not because of those fish. Those fish just became an instrument. But he fell down because of his offence to Garuda. Many years ago he had actually offended because Garuda's uh, food is fish and he used to come over there in the Yamuna to catch fish and some of the fish actually went to Saubhari Muni and complained that can you please give us protection Garuda is coming and eating us and that time Saubhari Muni had banned Garuda from coming over there he had actually said that you will not be able to enter Vrindavan and you will not be able to catch this fish these fish which are uh, swimming in the water of the Yamuna 
But Garuda was a great devotee of the Lord and that was his food. That is the food which the Lord had allocated for his consumption. So it became actually a great offence because he offended Garuda. It became a great offence to a great devotee of the Lord and because of that Sobhari Muni had to fall down within that same Yamuna which he banned uh, Garuda from coming towards. So then we see that and in fact it is also said in once Shruti Dharma Prabhu was quoting in a lecture. He was saying about offences, he was saying that and this, this has been quoted by Jiva Goswami about whom also we will speak in a few minutes. So Jiva Goswami says that if one commits hundred offences to devotees, he becomes a victim of inattentive chanting. If he commits thousand offences to a devotee, then he breaks the four regulative principles. And if he commits more than uh, ten around 10,000 offences to devotees, he will leave the path of Krishna consciousness and go away. So this is the heavy impact or reaction one can get if one offends devotees. And that is what Brahaspati assured Bali Maharaj that don't worry, he will commit an offence to his spiritual master because of which he is going to lose everything and y'all will get everything back. So Bali Maharaj then, you know, conquers the heavenly abodes. Uh, the demigods lose their powers, they actually go into hiding in disguise, they become homeless. Literally they become homeless, they don't have anywhere to live. Now these demigods are the children of Kashyapa Muni and Aditi as we know. And Kashyapa Muni was just returning back home after doing years of meditation. And that time his wife Aditi approaches him because she is very distressed. Obviously being a mother, her children have become homeless, they have lost all their power, they have to live in disguise. So she approaches her husband for mitigation and she says, please help our sons. They are right now, you know, they've lost everything, their opulence, power, everything. Please help our sons. And Kashyapa Muni actually gives lot of instructions because he had just come from meditation. And obviously when somebody has come after years of meditation, they don't want to be disturbed with all this material, worldly things. Even though it was about his own sons, Kashyapa Muni was completely detached. So he was actually not very uh, conducive to help Aditi in getting, you know, the opulence back for the demigods. So he first tried to instruct Aditi. And there are beautiful verses again in the 8th canto of Srimad Bhagavatam. Where Kashyapa Muni tells her that, right, you know, it's, you completely be detached. What is the use of all these things? They will figure it out themselves according to their karma and the Lord will help them if required. But you, you be detached from all these things. The goal of life is not to, you know, get our opulence and wealth and palaces back. But the goal of life is to achieve bhakti, to achieve the supreme destination. So Kashyapa Muni gives, him many uh, gives her many instructions, but Aditi absolutely was, her ears were deaf at that time. Because she was so absorbed in her son's distress, she was not able to take those instructions to heart. And therefore then Kashyapa Muni told her about, the, he realized Aditi is not going to listen, so he told her about the Payovrata sacrifice, which then Aditi executed very nicely. With you know, using her intelligence, she followed that particular instruction of her uh, husband very nicely and she executed the Payovarta sacrifice. So we see generally a, a, sp a spiritual master will not give instructions to a disciple which he cannot follow. In the same way, Krishna will not, you know, sometimes we recite Kunti Marani's prayers, we like to memorize those prayers and we like to recite those prayers. But Kunti Marani is praying, let calamities come again and again. Now as devotees, we might recite that prayer, but do we want those calamities like Kunti Marani to come again and again? Maybe not. But, you know, Kunti Marani is able to pray that and Krishna gave so many calamities in her life. 
her sons her daughter in law was raped one of her sons she had to her eldest son she had to actually put in the river because she couldn't claim him because she was still a unmarried uh, girl at that time her uh, own sons her uh, bhima was poisoned all the pandavas had to go into exile so much calamities kunti maharani face and she is asking for more but krishna doesn't so even if we you know memorize those prayers and recite them krishna doesn't give any uh, calamities or any uh, problems in a devotee's life which they cannot handle and which they cannot come out of successfully that is what how lord krishna is and that is how a spiritual master also is he will not give instructions to a disciple which they cannot follow and that is what shrila prabhupad always did he gave very um, you know uh, if you see esoteric instructions but he knew his devotees will be disciples will be able to follow them so in this case then aditi actually does um the payavrata sacrifice and she uh, is able to follow the uh, whole thing very uh, nicely and at the completion of the sacrifice we see she gets the result the fruit of her uh, tapasya in terms of that uh, payavrata vrat and that is uh, given in the verse in canto 8 chapter 18 verse 5 the appearance of vamandev is said so it is said that lord vamandev appeared um there's a beautiful verse in 8.18.5 where it says on the day of shravan dwadashi the 12th day of the bright fortnight in the month of bhadra which is today when the moon came into the lunar mansion shravan at the auspicious moment of abhijit the lord appeared in this universe considering the lord's appearance very auspicious all the stars and planets from the sun to saturn were munificently charitable just as when krishna appeared all the planets had aligned themselves very nicely in the same way when vamandev appeared all the plans planets had aligned themselves very nicely so that that day is day is uh, today so shri vamandev ki so lord vamandev appeared in that little first he had appeared actually in a four handed form and vishnu form and then he took the little just to assure aditi that you know i lord vishnu himself has personally come as a son and then he changed his form to a little dwarf brahmana boy very effulgent looking boy he was and so many all the demigods gathered over there to actually pray to vamandev because obviously the lord has incarnated on this planet so they appeared there to pray to vamandev and to give him lots of gifts so there is a good narration of all the gifts which are given to him the sun god gave him gayatri mantra personally the sun god gave him a uh, came and gave him gayatri mantra uh, kashyapa muni gave him the straw belt brahaspati gave him a thread the brahmin thread bhumi devi gave him deer skin on which he can sit kuvera gave him a, beg a begging pot bhagwati devi mother parvati gave him his first arms so in this way so many people came and uh, so many demigods came and blessed him so many sages as well so just to go ahead in the uh, past time so after that lord vamandev comes to the banks of narmada where bali maharaj is doing this whole uh, yagya the yagya is going on and bali maharaj obviously is in a very charitable mood at that time because he is doing a yagya so when he sees this effulgent brahman come he gets up from his seat he offers all respects to him and he tells him that uh, how can i serve you and bali maharaj vamandev uh, says that i have come to ask you charity and obviously bali maharaj was extremely charitable so he said that i am happy to give you whatever you want you please ask oh dear brahmin boy and as you know as you know bali maharaj it is described also that as vamandev was approaching bali maharaj before he asked him you know for the three steps of land or for any charity um, there is um, he was in a bit of a dilemma 
So in the Vedanta Desika by Yadav Abhyudayam, it is described, he was a South Indian uh, saint who wrote the Vedanta Desikam. He says that Vama, Vamande was in a bit of a dilemma because on his chest, who is residing? Lakshmi Devi is residing in this form of the Shri Vatsa. So he was in a bit of a dilemma because he had come with the purpose of taking everything away from Bali Maharaj. And he saw that if, you know, Lakshmi Devi has her glance from his chest on uh, Bali Maharaj, he will not be able to take everything away. Because when whomever Lakshmi Devi's glance is there, obviously that person is blessed with lot of wealth and fortune. So what did Vamandev do? Usually we, you know, Brahmanas wear their Uttarya in a certain position. So he changed the direction of his Uttarya. So that his right side of the chest is covered and be able, you know, he, she will not be visible. The Srivatsa mark will not be visible to Bali Maharaj and that way Lakshmi Devi's glance will not fall on Bali Maharaj. However, Lakshmi Devi became very curious. She thought, why is my Lord this time, you know, changing the direction in which Uttarya is normally worn? And why is he trying to cover me? Whom is he trying to? Who is this great person whom he doesn't want me to see? So she just glanced over the Uttarya. She peeped over the Uttarya and she looked at Bali Maharaj. And just because of that glance of hers, Bali Maharaj actually got something greater than what, in fact, Vamandev took away from him. He got the Sutala planet, which is more opulent than the heavenly planets. Not only that, he got the Lord's personal association throughout his life because the Lord agreed to go down there as his personal gatekeeper or doorkeeper. So this is the blessing which he got because Lakshmi Devi just put her glance, cast her glance on him. And then we know the whole story uh, goes that Lord Vamandev asked for the, uh, you know, some charity and he, you know, when charity is actually given, they actually first, you know, take water from a water pot. And Shukracharya actually warns Bali Maharaj. He says, he recognizing, recognizes that this is none other than the Supreme Lord who has come in this particular form just to take everything away from Bali Maharaj and give everything back to the demigods. So he warns Bali Maharaj, do not actually follow, do not give this person charity, is none other than Lord Vishnu, he is going to take everything away from you. But Bali Maharaj, being a great devotee of the Lord, and he was also following in the footsteps of another Mahajan. Because when he was actually pouring water on his hand to then, you know, give that charity to Vaman Dev, he was remembering Lord Shiva. And how Lord Shiva actually took the whole Ganga on his particular, on his um, uh, hair, um, to stop the flow of Ganga. So that time he was just remembering Lord Shiva and it is said that because he was remembering a Mahajan, he himself was able to become a Mahajan, Srila Prabhupada says, because he was following in the footsteps of a Mahajan. So Bali Maharaj ignores that particular request of his Guru and he still goes ahead and gives charity. And actually it is said Shukracharya tried to block the spout of that particular Kamandalu, where, you know, he was going to pour water from. He tried to stop that and Vamandev pierced the spout with her Kushagrash. And that way Shukracharya actually became blind in one eye, because his eye was over there. So then ultimately Bali Maharaj promises that, okay, what do you want? And Vamandev says, I just want three steps of land from you. And we know the pastime how Bali Maharaj tells him that I have so much to give you. You are not very, it appears you are not very intelligent boy. You could have asked me for so much more and you're just asking for three steps of land and how much will you be able to cover with your three little steps? And that is why, you know, Vamandev had taken that dwarf form only to cheat and trick Bali Maharaj. So, Bali, he says no and that time Vamandev gives very important instruction for Brahmanas. He says that a Brahmana has to be completely satisfied with what he has. If a Brahmana keeps yearning for more, 
than what he has or he is dissatisfied with his current situation, he actually use his tejas. The Brahm, Brahma Tejas which he has, he loses that. So I am a satisfied Brahmana and I do not want anything more than three steps of land. And then we know the story that you know how Bali Maharaj conquers everything and he places his third step on, uh, sorry, Vamandev conquers everything and then he places his third step on Bali Maharaj's head where Bali Maharaj is not only a Mahajan but he also is an example of one of the nine processes of devotional service which is Atma Nivedanam. He surrenders everything because more than the daan which a person gives, the charity which a person gives is the dani. Dani means the person who gives charity. More important than the charity is the person who is giving charity and that is what Bali Maharaj tells Vamandev. When actually Vamandev tells him that you are an offender, you are not able to give me any place to put my third uh, step and that time Bali Maharaj surrenders Atma Nivedanam and he tells the Lord you take the third step on my head. So this, this particular pastime which Vamandev came to um, enact in this mati uh, material world was obviously to you know give everything back to the demigods but the mainly he came to this world to give show us the glories of Bali Maharaj to show us what Atma Nivedana is and to show us what a surrender of a devotee can reward him with and Vamandev becomes so pleased with Bali Maharaj that he blesses him that I will become your gatekeeper. I will send you to Sutala planet and I will become your personal gatekeeper. And it is said that when Vamandev took up that duty, now Bali Maharaj's palace was huge and there was around eight or nine gates from which you know you could come out of the palace. And Bali Maharaj obviously being the king, the ruler of that planet, it was not sure he would come out from whichever gate he would want. And Vamandev was in anxiety all the time when he was serving Bali Maharaj as his gatekeeper. So because he was not sure where Bali Maharaj would come out from, he would run from one gate to the other to be present there when Bali Maharaj exits the gate. And Lakshmi Devi felt very bad because her husband had to keep running around like this, you know, she wasn't sure which gate to come out from and he was in anxiety. She goes and requests Bali Maharaj. And she tells him, can you please come out of just one gate, decide on one gate and come out from there because he has to, my husband has to keep running around here and there. So this is, you know, the glorification which of Bali Maharaj which Mamande wanted to bring in front of the whole world and that is why this whole particular pastime was enacted by Vamandev um, and that is why he appeared in this particular world. So, um, this, this, this was a little bit about uh, Vamandev and we'll quickly in the next few minutes talk about Jiva Goswami who's also a very important Acharya personality whose appearance day is today. So Jiva Goswami is one of the Goswamis. We have the picture of the six Goswamis here and he was one of the youngest Goswamis. Srila Prabhupada has declared that Jiva Goswami, there is no greater scholar or philosopher in this world than Jiva Goswami. Nor has there, will, will there ever be any greater scholar and philosopher than Jiva Goswami. He was such a learned person, he was such a scholarly person. So Jiva Goswami was actually the um, he was actually the son of Sri Vallabh and he was the nephew of Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami who are the leaders of all the Goswamis. So his, they had one more brother called Sri Vallabh whom Chaitanya Mahaprabhu initiated as Anupam and Jiva Goswami was the son of uh, uh, Sri Vallabh. And it is said that they were actually obviously they were all engaged in the service of Nawab Hussain Shah at that time who was the ruler of uh, uh, West Bengal at that time and they were all having big, you know, big, big ministerial positions. They had lot of wealth, opulence. So Jiva Goswami was born in all that. Now when, you know, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to Ramakeli, 
सो दिस वॉज अराउंड सिक्सटीन फिफ्टीन और समथिंग चैतन्य महाप्रभु केम टू राम अकेले आफ्टर ही हैड टेक इन सन्यास ही गोज ऑन अ टूर ही कम्स फर्स्ट टू शांतिपुर वी आर इनफैक्ट वी जस्ट स्टडीड दैट पर्टिक्युलर चैप्टर विद केशव प्रभु इन आर भक्ति सर्वभौमा कोस सो ही गोज टू शांतिपुर हिज मदर इंस्ट्रक्ट्स एम प्लीज डू नॉट सेटल इन वृंदावन दैट विल बी टू फार अवे फ्रॉम नवदीप यू प्लीज सेटल इन जगन्नाथपुरी सो ही गोज टू जगन्नाथपुरी एंड देन ही गोज ऑन अ टूर of south india so he tours south india for 2 years he goes back and then he comes to bengal to tour bengal and that time he goes to a place called ramakeli uh, where you know close by all these uh, three brothers were having their uh, homes their palaces as they were ministers of um, the king at that time so when lord chaitanya comes over there um, the three brothers go to take darshan of lord chaitanya and surrender themselves to him and that time it is described that jeeva goswami his mother takes him in his arms in her arms so he was what hardly 2 3 years old at that time and he also goes along with his uncles and his father to have darshan of chaitanya mahaprabhu and you know even at that young age he met chaitanya mahaprabhu and it had such a big impact on him the way he saw his uh, uncles and father surrender to chaitanya mahaprabhu and the way he saw chaitanya mahaprabhu and lord nityananda blessing um, his uncles and father that had a huge impact on him and from that day onwards he was completely absorbed in lord chaitanya and lord nityananda and completely absorbed in krishna and balaram so when he was young he would meditate on them constantly and his mother had given him beautiful krishna balaram deities to worship so he was very absorbed in his in the worship of these deities he would bathe them daily he would offer them nice bhoga he would offer them nice flower garlands offer them incense aarti so completely his day was absorbed like we hear in the charitra of parikshit maharaj also how parikshit maharaj used to worship his deities and was completely absorbed in the same way jeeva goswami was completely absorbed in the worship of his deities and his mother his father actually died at a very early age and jeeva goswami was mostly brought up by his mother in his young age and in fact his father's death had a very huge impact on jeeva goswami he was crying piteously because he lost the association of a very great vaishnava who happened also to be his father so he cried piteously he all he was already absorbed in lord chaitanya and uh, lord nityananda and he lost further interest in this material world completely so his mother brought him up and his mother played a very crucial role in his upbringing his mother actually used to read him lots of stories from the puranas she gave him these deities to worship and it is said that even at night that uh, he would sleep with these deities close to his chest he would not want to be separated in fact his mother would sometimes say let me put the deities away but he would not want to be separated at all and because he was so absorbed in their worship he had a beautiful dream once in which Uh, krishna balaram appeared in his dreams in their personal forms and then they transformed into lord chaitanya and lord nityananda and both lord chaitanya and lord nityananda placed their feet on jeeva goswami's head and they bless him that very soon you will be in united in vrindavan with uh, your uncles and you will be able to come you know be able to practice bhakti con- continuously so uh, once jeeva goswami was around 16 or 17 years old he decided to go with a group of pilgrims from ramakeli to navadweep to have darshan of all the pastime places of chaitanya mahaprabhu and that time it is said that he went and met lord nityananda in navadweep and lord nityananda gave him a personal tour of the nine islands of navadweep and he showed him all the pastime places of um, chaitanya mahaprabhu and then lord nityananda gave him the instruction so in the dream also lord chaitanya had given him the blessing they had said that very soon you will be reunited with your uncles 
please study under them and you the whole burden or the responsibility of Vaishnavism is going to come on your shoulders because Vaishnavism is going to face lots of challenges and you are the one who will have to revive and keep Vaishnavism and pure bhakti going especially Gaudiya, uh, Gaudiya Madhva Vaishnavism so that is the instruction they give him and you will write lots of books and you will also spread this philosophy of Vaishnavism all around the uh, all around the, uh, Bharat Varsha so they gave him that particular instruction in the dream and when he met Lord Nityananda personally in Navadweep, Lord Nityananda told him that in order there will be many challenges you will face uh, from different different types of sects and philosophies. So in order to equip yourself very well, you first go to Varanasi because Varanasi was the seat of learning at that time. He said you go to Varanasi and you study under the uh, disciple uh, of Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya. So Sarvabhoma Bhattacharya was a great scholar at that time and he had already been made into a devotee by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu but his disciple was there Madhusudan Vachaspati so he said you go and study under him for some time and then you go to Vrindavan so Jiva Goswami actually follows that instruction he goes and studies for a few years he becomes a great scholar in different different philosophies not only Vaishnavism but different philosophies as well and then he goes and surrenders to Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami in Vrindavan so very lovingly Rupa Goswami initiates him and they had engaged him in his uh, services. Now Jiva Goswami was a great scholar but uh, he was still you know Rupa Goswami in order to mold his disciple very nicely he had engaged him in just menial services. So he would actually you know Jiva and Jiva Goswami even though was a great scholar he was that really perfect combination of scholarship and humility. Because sometimes we see someone who is very learned very scholarly they, they might have some tinge of pride. But Jiva Goswami was absolutely humble as well. So he would carry out all menial tasks for his uh, both Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami. He would you know keep bath water ready for them. He would fetch water from the Yamuna for them. He would actually clean the place where they would pass you know answer nature's calls. He would actually give them a massage. He would oil their hair and give. So like that so many menial services he would clean you know sweep broom and sweep he would help in worshipping their deities and he would also prepare the leaves because at that time everything was written Rupa Goswami and Sanatan Goswami were absorbed in writing so many scriptures so he would prepare the leaves on which all the scriptures had to be written and that time not even once he would say that I am also a great scholar I should actually be sitting and writing books along with y'all no he would not do that he would happily engage in menial services but Rupa Goswami recognizing the scholarship of Jiva Goswami would actually give him the responsibility of editing all the manuscripts. So um, in, uh, he, he edited so many manuscripts of uh, Rupa Goswami for example he uh, proofread his nectar of devotion and in fact Jiva Goswami himself later on wrote a commentary on Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu which was called as Durgama Sangamani uh, Durgama Sangamani it was called and similarly even Sanatan Goswami had compiled a book called Shri Vaishnav Toshani which was the commentary on the 10th canto of Srimad uh, Bhagavatam which he again gave to Jiva Goswami to edit and proofread and Jiva Goswami compiled a commentary on that which was named as Laghu Vaishnava Toshani and same with the works of the other Goswamis he was serving all the other Go Gopal Bhatta Goswami, Raghunath Das Goswami, Raghunath Bhatta Goswami he was serving all of them by proofreading and editing their manuscripts so um, after uh, their disappearance and like Chaitanya Mahaprabhu had instructed him in his dream he became a great he, it, the whole responsibility of caring for this Vaishnavism fell on his shoulders and he actually carried out great tasks 
in the service of all the uh, previous acharyas and in service of chaitanya mahaprabhu and nityanand prabhu it is described that um, there are many pastimes but because time is up he, it is described that he actually has written 400000 verses to date and that is why shila prabhupad is calling him the greatest scholar because even the mahabharat has around 100000 verses whereas jiva goswami has composed 400000 verses and he has written many many important um, books so um, and he wrote these books he spread the knowledge not only in vrindavan but even back to navadweep and throughout uh, bharatvarsh so this was the contribution of jiva goswami to gaudiya vaishnavism and we owe a lot many of the scriptures that we are studying today are all the hard work of jiva goswami's proofreading editing or even writing those books himself shila jiva goswami ki granthraj shrimad bhagavatam ki so we'll stop the class here if there's any questions comments corrections hare Um, so the question is that Jiva Goswami has composed so many verses, and is that how you become a Goswami, or based on how many texts or verses you write or bhajans you compose? So the meaning of the word Goswami. So Go means actually um, senses, and Swami means someone who has control over the senses. So the definition of Goswami is one who has control over his senses, one who does not succumb to the you know sense gratification which the senses demand. And that is why Shri Lakshmi always used to say, "Don't be a Godas." Godas means servant of the senses, which you know practicing devotees normally are. Like you know, we our senses tell us, "Let's go and play," or "Let's watch something," or "Let's play on um, some games, video games," or watch you know something nice, or hear some nice music, or you know eat some nice food. So our senses are always demanding different different things. But these Goswamis, they had complete control over their senses. In fact, it is said like Raghunath Das Goswami, he was so renounced that you know once in two three days he would just drink a little buttermilk. and even then he used to feel that he has to he is doing sense gratification so that was the main definition of the goswami is not how much work they have composed and all that but because so one is they had control over the senses but they were also very great devotees of the lord so that is another uh, you know thing which defines a goswami that they were the greatest devotees of the lord and because of that they were not engaged in sense gratification plus they were great vaishnavas they were able to naturally then write their heartfelt ecstasies that translated into verses and uh, books and all that so if we see so prabhupad says you know one of his disciple asks asked him once on a morning work that prabhupad what made our you know how did what did we do to achieve you know this path of krishna bhakti and prabhupad like on different occasions he said different things once he said that all of you have been sent by my guru maharaj to assist me in spreading this krishna consciousness movement so it was prabhupad's guru also who was empowering once prabhupad says that you all did not have any qualification i made your qualification so that you all could come on the path of bhakti so it's a combination of everything prabhupad would always give credit to his guru maharaj and his guru maharaj obviously was sending everybody prabhupad himself was empowered by krishna to transform the hearts of so many people and obviously krishna was himself acting in the lives of these devotees so that they would progress and come closer to him
हरे कृष्णा माता जी वंडरफुल क्लास माता जी डेमी गॉड्स वेज अफ्रेट टू अफ्रेट टू अप्रोच द लॉर्ड वेर एज प्रहलाद वॉज नॉट सो इज इट टू डू विद द प्योरिटी बिकॉज प्रहलाद वॉज हंड्रेड परसेंट प्योर एंड डेमी गॉड्स मे नॉट बी Yes, it is. It is definitely to do with um, Prahlad Maharaj's purity, but it is also to bring out the uh, the glories of Prahlad Maharaj. Just as Vaman Dev appeared to bring out the glories of uh, Bali Maharaj, in the same way, Narasimha Dev had appeared. It is said that you know that killing of Hiranyakashipu, you know, even of his energies could also do, if you see. But Narasimha Dev appeared just for. Uh, protecting his devotee because prahlad maharaj was very dear to him so prahlad maharaj just as bali maharaj is an example of atmanivedanam in the nine processes of devotional service prahlad maharaj as we all know is an example of smaranam he was always in constant remembrance of the lord so he was definitely a pure devotee of the lord and therefore he was absolutely not afraid and all the other demigods because narsimha dev you know that relationship between narsimha dev and prahlad maharaj was narsimha dev appeared on the request of prahlad maharaj because hiranyakashipu asked is he in this pillar and narsimha dev appeared from there so it is not that narsimha dev was already present in the pillar it was to keep the word of prahlad maharaj that he appeared in the pillar we know like the lord is there in every atom in every molecule he is already there in everything and with that confidence prahlad maharaj said yes he is in the pillar but it was actually to keep up that request of prahlad maharaj that narsimha dev went into the pillar and appeared out of there otherwise he could have just walked in through the gate or something like that yeah. so that special relationship was there between prahlad maharaj and narsimha dev and to augment that relationship more the demigods actually tell him to go and yes we know the demigods are mishra bhakta so they are not pure devotees of the lord like prahlad maharaj was jai also um um like as you said that uh, four type of people come like uh, one is um, like say prema another is for they want something and in bhagavad gita also said that four type of people come come arth artharthi jigyasu and gyanis so is there any mapping or relationship between these four type of people there and the four type of people that we uh, come across here in this bhagavatam so definitely they are related prabhu ji like artho artharthi jigyasu and gyani when we say so artho artharthi so one who is seeker seeking wealth one who is uh, you know seeking uh, mitigation from misery so these are the different types of people who approach and that is if they are you know seeking mitigation of miseries obviously there is bhai that they don't want that misery in their life and therefore um, you know they want to approach the lord for the mitigation of the misery asha you know people who approach for wealth like dhru maharaj was an example of asha he had a desire for getting lot of wealth so yes definitely there's a correlation between these thank you so much hari krishna hari krishna maharaj ji thank you for the amazing class maharaj ji you mentioned how after the lord had killed hiranyakashipu there was no one ready to garland him so he garlanded himself and now you mentioned that he loves decorating himself but maharaj ji we see in the picture prahlad maharaj is ready with a garland in his hand so my question is why does the lord narsimha dev why did the lord narsimha dev accept on prahlad maharaj who is his dear devotee why didn't he why did he just garland himself so uh, this this was very nice question this was uh, like as soon as narsimha dev killed hiranyakashipu everybody was in shock and everybody was terrified because narsimha dev had come in his ugra roop ugra roop means that ferocious form he was very angry he was actually very angry with hiranyakashipu for troubling his um, uh, devotee prahlad maharaj so you can imagine a lion is already very ferocious and when an angry lion is there obviously people will be terrified so everyone was terrified at that moment 
and therefore you know narsima dev for some time we say no like after something happens people are stunned for some time so everyone was stunned in terror they were all just standing and looking at this particular ferocious form of the lord including lakshmi devi so at that particular point in time obviously no one was there and therefore he garlanded himself like with the intestines and there was one more purpose actually when he garlanded himself with the um, intestines of hiranyakashipu it was to show everyone that yes hiranyakashipu is definitely dead because people had all fled in terror they were far away from narsimha dev so if you see somebody's intestines are out of their stomach they are definitely dead so it was to prove to hiranyakashipu's followers and to all the demigods and everyone that yes he is definitely died so those were the two purposes but when the demigods actually said then sent pral because pralad maharaj is very humble also we have to remember so he is oh i have to go to the lord he appeared for me you know he didn't claim like that and approach the lord he was just standing quietly and when the demigods requested that time he said okay i will go and approach the lord and i will garland the lord so then the lord definitely accepts the garland and he puts pralad maharaj on his lap thank you mata ji my question was uh, regarding the offense you mentioned shobramani committed towards garunadev that um, uh, he cannot eat the fishes but mataji we have heard that whoever takes shelter of you should protect them always so like take whoever, will take. whoever take your shelter you should always protect them to your best so then shobramani out of his um, duty had um, done it because like fishes had asked him so then how can we understand that so um sometimes you know in executing our duty like it is yes sobhari muni executed his duty of protecting the fish but sometimes when we execute our duty we also have to be very careful of the ramifications of our action when protecting someone or when you know performing our duty towards someone so like we see for example in the case of migari the hunter you know when narad muni comes and he he was obviously half hurting animals and half killing them and allowing them to suffer and all that and when narad muni comes and questions him he tells him that i'm doing it as a duty through my uh, family because i have to make a living for my family and this is the profession that has been passed on for generations i don't know anything else to do except doing this and that time narad muni goes and uh, like narad muni tells him to go and ask his family that will they then take part in the sins that he has accrued because of killing all these animals and his family refuses that no we are not going to take part in all this sins you have to earn you have to do your duty you are the head of the family you have to do your duty to us you have to actually you know provide a living but how you provide your living that you have to see so you see he was doing his duty in his mind he was doing a duty but he was committing an offense to all the animals by kill by killing them so in the same way when sobhari muni did his duty of protecting the fish he actually had to think he could protect the fish maybe there was some other way he could have protected the fish by sending them off to some other section of um, uh, of of you know some other state or something like that but he banned garuda from entering into the yamuna or entering that area and actually eating the fish and that became an offense not the duty of protecting but the ramification was that he actually went and cursed garuda and said you will not be able to enter this part of vrindavan and that became an offense because garuda was a pure devotee of the lord thank you vandana ji hari krishna mata ji when you talked about mother aditi doing the payavrata for uh, helping her sons who were homeless I was just thinking in India, so many people they go through these austerities of uh, putting a needle through their mouth or walking on hot coals or something for some spiritual or material gain. 
should and should we as devotees see that as eccentric like in fanaticism or some real austerity that will give you spiritual or material gain so even in the bhagavad gita i think in the 16th chapter you know there is the modes of material nature are described and over there it is said how food is also in the three modes we have food in goodness passion ignorance we have music in goodness passion ignorance so in the same way austerity also can be in goodness passion and ignorance so any austerity which is done for the pleasure of the supreme lord that is in the mode of pure goodness obviously but any austerity which is done even you know just to become a better human being for example a meat eater becomes a vegetarian and they give up eating meat because they don't want to harm animals anymore then that is actually austerity in the mode of for them it is austerity to give up meat and be away from meat but then that is austerity in the mode of goodness so like that there is austerity in the mode of ignorance as well and that you know whatever you describe that people piercing or you know we see sometimes people whipping themselves and all that so those those are all austerities in the mode of ignorance if 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 the austerity is done with you know a with a view of uh, not pleasing the supreme personality of godhead or at least you know trying to achieve something good in your life but self harm so self harm and any austerity which is done with self harm is actually considered in the mode of ignorance especially if it has not been done for the lord's pleasure and that is why yes that austerity is not what what we are talking about over here thank you aditi hari krishna okay we'll end the class here granthraj shrimad bhagavatam ki shila prabhupad ki uh, ananta koti vaishnavrind ki Yes. Those uh, asamit yagya is to happen, and the brahmana is to give immediate new body. So maybe when uh, along that line, I am speculating uh, when uh, Garuda is eating those fish, they they may be getting promoted to higher higher consciousness or higher body or better birth. Maybe they are getting delivered. Definitely, because Garuda is such a great devotee yes, of the Lord, and he is using it for his consumption. Then definitely, the fish were actually getting uh, some benefit of being consumed by. Like for example, you know, non-devotees eat fruits and vegetables, but devotees eat food, fruits and vegetables. So let's say even they have not offered to the Lord, but because they are eating those fruits and vegetables, and their body is getting nourished, and that way they are able to serve the Lord nicely. Yeah. So then definitely, those fruits and vegetables are getting the benefit. So yes. There's quite a lot of deeper points. Yeah. Thank you. It was a very nice class. Thank you. The way the flow you are taking and the way you are relating, and then you brought it from Narsing Dev, Vavan Dev, and then Jeeva Goswami is from Mukha Disciple. Very nice flow and connection. I could drawing parallel. I could see like it's not happening in the olden time. Still, that Lila is happening in current time, and you know, in a different manifestation. But the the, the consciousness and They are all still the same, like. Okay. So thank you, Mother. Thank I'm just, you for that. I'm coming reading. Really like I'm thinking, how can I steal some of your notes, Mother Ji?
Yeah. 
ವಂದೇಹಂ ಶ್ರೀ ಗುರು ಶ್ರೀಯುತ ಪದಕಮಲ Oh, my God. 
Hare Rama, Hare Rama, 
ಪ್ರಜಾಗರ ಗೋಕುಲ ರಂಜನ ಕಾಂದನ ಪ್ರಜಾಗರ ಗೋಕುಲ ಪುರಂಗರ ಕಬಿನ ನಗರ ಬರ ಮಂಕಿ ಮಗನ ಸುಮಾರ 
धर्म समस्तापक लोकाणकारिभुवने
ಚೈತನ್ಯ ಸಾಮೃತಾಬ್ದ ಲಹರಿ 